Hey, I am Mustafa Sharif. Thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I'm looking forward to this episode, both the topic and the guest. The guest is one of my friends. We studied together in the Master Urban Planning and Design in Stockholm. I have the pleasure to welcome you, Peng, to Urbanistica podcast. Hi, Mustafa. So tell me, how, how are you? I'm well, I'm well. I mean, as well as anyone can be in this, you know, really weird uh concerning times uh but uh but you know family is healthy uh and i'm healthy so that's the that's the most that anybody can really ask for right now um yes. i'm very thankful for that i'm happy to hear that and thank you so much for giving your time for the podcast my pleasure my pleasure well peng you're gonna be the storyteller of this episode how would you <laughs> like to introduce yourself and tell me what are you passionate about Sure. Um, well, I guess, uh, so my name is Peng Wu. Um, I am a, um, immigrant from the U S. Uh, um, I was originally born in China, but then I moved to U S when I was very young, seven years old. And I stayed in the U S all that time up until 2013 when I emigrated here to Stockholm. Um, and once I came to Stockholm, um, I decided to change careers and, uh, I wanted to pursue, um, something of a dream career of mine, which was urban planning and design. Uh, so, uh, after studying the same program as you, I, I, uh, I finished and, and, uh, and, um, now, uh, I basically, well, I am an urban planner. Uh, so it's been a really long and strange journey. Um, and as to what I'm passionate about. Um, I think it's a combination of things. Uh, very simply, storytelling is one, uh, which is why I'm very happy to be on this podcast uh, with you. Uh, and in combination with that is the uh, uh, history in general, uh, and very specifically uh, cities and planning. Um, because I think putting all those together really creates a really interesting um, profile on how to approach urban planning and design. Um, so when I started, uh, because of my interest in history, I was more uh, qualitative. I approached things towards a more qualitative, uh, from a more qualitative angle. Um, but uh, slowly, I started to kind of embrace the more quantitative side. So now I am uh, branched out. I've branched out into more uh, data analysis, uh, GIS projects, trying to approach the city from more, uh, analyze the city and its people from its more from a more quantitative uh, point of view rather than a qualitative point of view. Although I try, you know, you try have to do both. You can't just do one or the other. You have to try to combine them. Yes, exactly. Super interesting journey. But what was your? You, you mentioned that the career change. What you were doing before becoming an urban planner. Well, so for 10 years in New York, I worked in the maritime sector, um, so logistics, basically. Uh, and I worked in a, a company that owned and managed uh, large cargo ships, uh, bulk cargo. So, you know, our, uh, it's pretty hard to explain uh, <laughs> quickly, but basically, if there's any material that you have in your hands right now, chances are it's passed through an ocean ship of some kind. And uh, I was part of the kind of the industry that uh, kept the, the global trade kind of humming along. Um, but the company that I worked for dealt mostly in uh, bulk cargo. So 
uh, wheat, uh, soybeans, iron ore, coal, nickel, you know, really large amounts of ships. Like our, our ships, our largest ships that we managed were 300 meters long. So that's wow. an insane amount of, uh, yes. uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it was a very, very interesting and challenging job. Um, and uh, it, I learned a lot about uh, logistics. Uh, it gave me a really strong background in logistics. Um, but uh, I wanted to kind of challenge myself in a different way. So uh, I moved here. Uh, and after moving here, I decided to try to pursue urban planning because I wanted to get more uh yeah, I was always passionate about um, having being a New Yorker. I was always passionate about the city uh, and always really fascinated by how the city worked and how, you know the very fact that it worked at all because New York is so chaotic, <laughs> yes. right? Um, so it's always a, a kind of a, a dream of mine to to understand more about it. Um, so that's why I decided to to change careers and uh, yeah, it was a really good change. I think. Um, yes, I I also agree with you. Really, really great change. Well, to, to highlight one more time, this episode is more about uh, Peng tell his story about the life in New York and then the life in Stockholm. Then we try to compare in between the cities and see what works here and what works there and see sure. if we can learn from each other. So uh, sure. let's start uh, Peng with New York. Uh, explain to us like the, the life there in between buildings. Ah, well. Yeah, it depends on which buildings. Uh, I think New York is, everybody has an idea of New York because it's, uh, you know, it's world famous. So much art and uh, literature is set there. Uh, and it feels like you, people could feel like they've been to New York without having set foot there at all. Um, but New York is just a vast uh, assemblage of people. Um, and I know this podcast is all about buildings, but for me, the important part of things have always been the people in the buildings. Um, and New York is home to just one of the greatest collections of people around the world. So uh, you have, uh, you know, people from anywhere, any corner of the globe, you can find in New York. Uh, and that creates this really uh, dynamic, insane energy that is just hard to describe and exists in so few places. Um, but in New York, to be part of that, to be part of that life in between the buildings of this constant moving uh, and pulsating uh, crowd of people is, uh, it's a really, yeah, it's a very, uh, it, it's a hard experience to describe. Uh, but um, because New York is so big, uh, there's so many diverse pockets of it. So the place where I grew up is in Queens, uh, Elmhurst. Um, in fact, it's the place right now that is the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak in New York. Um, but uh, when I grew up, uh, it was uh, one of the most diverse places on the planet. So uh, in the 1990 census, the U.S. census, uh, you could see that uh, every single country, it was every single country uh, was represented in that place, not just the borough of Queens, but in my neighborhood in Elmhurst. So you had 200 something countries, people from 200 something countries living in that tiny, very small area. Um, but it was not what you would think of as New York because the buildings there um, for the most part were 
what used to be single family homes, um, but they've been subdivided and divided further into small rooms. Uh, so you actually have sometimes three or four families living in one house um, that was originally built for one family. Uh, so, you know, the, the American, typical American white picket fences, uh, clapboard house, um, you would have that, but inside of that house, you would have uh, multiple families from different countries sometimes just living together uh, side by side. So it was a very interesting experience, I guess, because uh, for me, when I grew up, uh, I was used to not hearing, not understanding what people were saying because the people didn't speak English as a first language sometimes. Um, they spoke all sorts of different languages and you know I couldn't understand a lot of that. So to grow up that in that way, I think is, is quite unique. And it is, um, uh, I think it really left a deep impression on me. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's growing up there. Is... Yes. And I'm, I'm wondering how was, how was the community, like the, the relationship between the people from different countries? You mentioned that they speak different languages and so on, but could you feel that, how to say, the neighbors, that there is people in, in between buildings and the buildings? I would say, well, first, I mean, being a new immigrant, um, your closest neighbors are, of course, people from your own country, um, because you share the same uh, language, you share the same uh, understanding of the world. Um, but gradually, uh, I mean, when I went to school, the, I went to a public school, uh, there were people from, you know, everywhere there. So my friends uh, in elementary school and in junior high school were from all sorts of different countries. Um, as for neighbors, I mean, you know, in a big city, it's, it's not the same as being in a smaller town, I guess, where people get to know their neighbors really well. Um, but you do, uh, uh, in times of, um, I guess, crisis, uh, you do get a sense of closeness with each other. Uh, but it's not as tight-knit uh, as one would imagine. Um, but, you know, it, you have to develop a certain sense of tolerance, I feel like, um, when you grow up there uh, or when you're living there. And that, I think, accounts for a little bit for the neighborliness that you would have. Yeah. And how, uh, when you're growing up, where was your school close to the place you were living at or did you need to take transportation? Uh, my first school was just a block over, so I could just walk there. It took five minutes. Um, that was great. My second school, uh, my junior high school, I had to take a bus uh, for about 25 minutes, um, and that was further in Queens. And then when I went to high school, I took the subway to go to the very tip of, downward tip of Manhattan, and that took an hour and a half. So... It, you get further and further away. Yes, yes. But the, let's start with the first one. You, you were walking to the school. Yeah. Did you need to cross a lot of white streets and uh, being no. scared by cars? And No, I think you figure... I mean, the joke that I tell, uh, and it's a very bad joke, uh, but it, uh, <laughs> is that it is, to a New Yorker, you know, a green light means you can walk across the street, but a red light means you just have to run across the street. <laughs> um, as a child, uh, you know, you of course, there's uh, schools usually would post crossing guards. So there are people who, um, you know, stand in the crossroads and uh, 
and help not the cars but help the children across and things like that and we had some of some of those sometimes um but the street that i had to cross wasn't very crowded so it was very easy um and uh yeah so but i mean you get used to cars very quickly uh which can be good and bad um i actually had a friend uh in fifth grade he was actually run over um by a car so you know it's uh, it is it is a dangerous it can be a dangerous place for pedestrians yeah. um but as a child you kind of get used to it you you, yes. you adapt and were you thinking about biking to school or walking was no i mean back in where i grew up in the early 90s uh mid 90s late 90s even up to the 2000s you know biking really wasn't something that you did uh there just wasn't a biking culture um and because yeah the streets were pretty dangerous so uh yeah biking was just not something that we would do yeah especially for yeah talking talking about the streets how was the structure of the the section of the streets you were living in so um new york mostly uh, especially in manhattan but in the part of queens where i lived is very grid like so it's very grid uh you know right angles um and a lot of the streets are numbered um but in queens however it's not numbered in a very logical way uh because in queens they uh had really wider farther apart streets uh, streets that are farther apart but then as it uh more people moved in they built more streets so instead of renumbering everything they just started putting different names of streets so you would have 19th street and 20th street and then suddenly there would be three different two streets in between <laughs> they would name it 19th lane or 19th avenue and then you go to 20th so it's it's quite funny in queens it's very easy to get lost there because uh for someone from manhattan um but yeah it's very uh 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 very grid like um one thing that you don't see often here in stockholm is one way streets um but in queens it's very you ought very often see that i live on a one way street uh, so i guess that helps with the traffic safety because you only have to pay attention for exactly one side on one side exactly yeah, yeah. great and uh, was there any like here in sweden we call it first level shops like the stores in the in the bottom um that first floor um, Yeah that I mean that's very common uh it depends on what area you're in if you're in a mostly residential area uh then no like the areas that I lived in were very uh, there were single family houses so uh surrounded by like a small yard or a front yard and things like that um so there wasn't that there but in most of the areas where you have apartments uh I'm talking multi-story like three or four story apartments then yeah you would have uh stores at the at the, at the bottom and it's uh i mean that was just natural for me it took coming to places like sweden to to realize that that's not actually how uh, how the rest of the world looked but i just yes. assumed that uh, if you have an apartment then at the bottom there is a a pizzeria <laughs> or a or a bodega or a laundromat or whatever um mm. so that's very uh, yeah that was very common yes and and how was the life in the street were you meeting friends and like just having let's say a coca-cola on the street like or you were most at home well it depended on what age um i think as i got older my mom trusted me to be more out um uh, because i mean we were immigrants uh my mother worked uh, all the time and uh, so 
I was a latchkey kid from very, very young age. Uh, but when I was in elementary school, I didn't really go out that much uh, because, you know, I was only eight or nine. Um, and uh, she didn't feel safe uh, for me to be out. Um, but as I uh, went to junior high school, which is the school that's farther away, I had more chances to go explore after school. Uh, and yeah, then then you just gather with your group of friends and you just wander down the various streets, uh, either around the school or uh, if there are people who live near you that took the same bus, then you get be on the same bus, of course. And then you get off at the bus stop and you spread out and go to the mall uh, or go to the, uh, the stores around the mall or just hang around the streets and just generally <laughs> be, yeah. a, be a teenager. Exactly. So, so, so it was okay to meet and like have a chat at, on the street. You don't need to go inside a coffee shop. I think for as a child, I, I, it's not something that you would do. Um, I remember, and this dates me very much so, but uh, I remember arcades were the place to be. So, you know, we had arcade machines, uh, Street yes. Fighter, Mortal Kombat, whatever. Uh, and that was where you would hang out because the arcade owners would be tolerant of a bunch of young teenagers, very loud, uh, lacking <laughs> in money, just hanging around, um, very rarely buying stuff but <laughs> and buying very small things like pieces of gum or candy and things like that. Yeah. Um, so no, we didn't do coffee shops or anything like that. Uh, it was mostly just the small little, very small corner stores or arcades. Uh, we're just going into the mall. I think the mall was the alternative. Uh, you would go into the, there's a very big mall right next to where I live, Queen Center Mall. Uh, it's one of the busiest malls in New York City, actually. Um, and they had a huge food court. So you would, you could go into the food court and sit down. And even if you didn't buy anything, very few people would harass you. Uh, and there's always, you know, the electronic stores or the computer game stores that you can browse and not ever buy anything at. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's the that's the pattern yeah. of life. Yes. What was your favorite uh, arcade game? Oh, I think uh, definitely, you know, Mortal Kombat. Because <laughs> 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 you know, I was yeah, you were a a, a teenage boy, and uh, you know, when people tell kids you know, oh you can't have it because it was so controversial back then and um you could sort of understand why because it was so blood and bloody and violent like i wouldn't let my son play it now but uh you just yeah um that was my that was definitely i spent the most amount of money uh, per machine <laughs> on that game <laughs> I, I can I can imagine, but then yeah. when you grow up, it starts more used to like the the metro more being out yeah. of your how to say, yeah, uh, what do you call it quarter like home? Yeah, neighborhood. Um, so yeah, definitely by the time I went to high school, uh, New York City was my neighborhood. Um, and the best part about New York is that there is no and same thing now here in Stockholm, there was no zone system for the for the tickets. Um, so I remember as a student, uh, I think the last two or three years, they gave you a Metro card, which is the card that you use uh, to you know, get past the turnstiles. And uh, uh, you get three free rides every day. So first ride was for you to get from home to school. Uh, and the second ride was for you to get from school to wherever. And then the last ride was to get from wherever back home. So it was really perfect for kids. Um, and uh, yeah, after school, if we didn't have a lot of homework, 
just kind of find a place to explore in New York. Uh, and any place the subway went, you can go. Uh, and that was really, you know, a wonderful, amazing feeling. I remember the first time, you know, I did that. I think I went to uh, Central Park by myself. Uh, actually, no, but it was with my, uh, with my friends. And it was just a, you know, it blew my mind that I could just go anywhere after school. Uh, of course, I had to let my mom know that I was coming home. But uh, yes, yes. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> uh, the the world's your oyster, as they say. Uh, and uh, New York is a great city, even if you're a child with no money. Uh, of course, it's much better if you have money. But you could still hang around the streets. You can still go. You know, uh, a lot of uh, places are uh, uh, a lot of museums you can go into with very little money. Uh, and uh, um, yeah, it's it was it was really 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 great to yeah. grow up there. And we, we talked a lot uh, about how, like, when you grow up from a child to teenager, and when you started like to, to study university and then start to work, mm -hmm. how was your, let's say, city life pattern? Well, I mean, I went to university in a completely opposite place from New York. Um, so I went to a very small liberal arts college in the middle of Ohio. Uh, so, yeah, I saw like fields, you know, which is completely different. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it made me really appreciate uh, New York life uh, much more um, because I, I mean, I, uh, like a true New Yorker, I can't drive. I still can't drive. That was pretty <laughs> embarrassing. I should be driving. Uh, I'm learning how to drive, but I'm like almost 40 and I can't drive. Um, but in New York, you didn't, if you couldn't get someplace by subway, bus, or taxi, then it's not worth getting to. So, and when I was in Ohio, I was completely trapped. Uh, everything yes. was car dependent. Um, you, yeah, you just need to have a car. Mm -hmm. um, so I really, that, that, I, that was a big shock. Um, and uh, coming back to New York, it really made me appreciate New York that much more. Um, but the, the daily commuting life has, didn't really change. Uh, um, I never lived in Manhattan. Uh, I always lived out in the outer boroughs of Queens uh, and then eventually Brooklyn. So for me, you know, going to work, um, work was in Manhattan. So every day you had the same subway ride, uh, 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, and, you know, end of the day, you come back and it's the same, same pattern as when I was in school. So it really didn't change that much. Yeah. Uh, the, in New York, do you need, like, can you survive with just like taking public transportation or you need to absolutely. have a car? No, absolutely. In, 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 in New York is one of the few cities in America where you can absolutely be fine with no car. Um, and if you need to have a car, you can always rent a car. But yeah, there's absolutely no need for a car. Um, mm -hmm. I think several of my friends who still live in New York, I mean, they're my age, they still can't drive. They don't have a car. <laughs> so yes. yeah, it's the one of the defining characteristics because of its density and the just sheer amount of services and because of the great uh, coverage of tra public transportation there is that you can get to anything via public transportation. Uh, and if you can't just take a taxi or now it's an Uber, but whatever, uh, or Lyft. Yeah. Is it cheap? Public transportation, 
Well, that, de that depends. I think comparatively, it is slightly cheaper uh, than, like if you have a monthly card uh, for unlimited access uh, to the public transportation system, it is probably slightly cheaper than, than Sweden, uh, in, sorry, in Stockholm. Um, so it is not inexpensive. Uh, I mean, I haven't lived there in five years, but the last time I bought one of these monthly cards, it was a hundred something dollars for 30 days. And that would, that's about, I don't know, a thousand kroners now. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I haven't bought a, bought a mm. 30 day card in, in Stockholm for a long time. <laughs> I have yeah. paid for the coronavirus, <laughs> so I completely forgot how much it costs. Yes. yes. Um, so let's, uh, let's move to Stockholm. Yeah, sure. You took the flight. Yeah, took the flight. Uh, I arrived, and um, so I did not actually stay in city center. Uh, the first apartment that we lived in was Don Derud. It was a friend's apartment. Um, so it was the first time that I actually lived in anything like, you know, it was, it was a suburb. Um, so uh, I lived right next to Morby Centrum, and it was really eye-opening. Um, because uh, the place I had lived in previously uh, in Brooklyn, I mean, if you wanted to see a forest, walk like eight, nine blocks to Prospect Park, and then there's some forest, some trees. But then, you know, you're in the middle of a bunch of brownstones and apartment buildings. But when I had landed in Dandarud, it was like, I was, you know, the apartments were in the middle of forests. <laughs> and it, blew my mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just couldn't believe the amount of trees that were here. Uh, and there's trees everywhere. Um, so that was extremely cool. Uh, you know, growing up, I didn't really have access to uh, nature the way that a Stockholmer uh, growing up here would. Um, so it was fantastic for me to just go out and just be in the middle of a forest and you know you feel the, the you can breathe the fresh air and was it was it was it weird because like suddenly you're just in the middle of the forest and you, you're not was, used to it right yeah it was very it took a bit of adjusting um and uh i mean i i, I had because i had been in school in ohio i i knew i mean yeah i i was somewhat used to being in the middle of nowhere um, but Dondurud wasn't in the middle of nowhere. Of course, you you know you were a ten minute walk away from the Tonobana. Yeah. So from the, uh, from the metro station. Exactly. But the thing that was weird was you know the feeling that you were in the middle of nowhere, but you're not. You're actually quite close to the center of Stockholm. That was very weird um, because you know within fifteen minutes of getting on the train, you're you're in uh, Ostermalm. Ostermann's story, uh, and that just was that was difficult to process um, because I had been in places that were in the middle of nowhere that were really in the middle of nowhere, but this was the place <laughs> that, first place I've been in that felt like the middle of nowhere, but wasn't was actually quite central, so that was quite interesting. Yeah, and how let's talk about the the community or the neighborhood. How how did you find it? Is it a big difference between yeah people in Scandinavia and Sweden? I think, yeah, I mean, so, of course, every every place is different, um, and uh, the people there, of course, um, customs and everything are different. Um, 
I think the 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 fact that it's just not very dense here um, that you can spread out as much as you want uh, creates a different type of feeling um, than being in New York, where you know if you're walk, working in Manhattan, you have to be around people. Um, there is absolutely no choice, uh, and you run into people that you like, don't like, uh, strangers all the time. That is not the case uh, here, especially when I was living in Dandarud. Um, you can have a lot of personal space here in Stockholm uh, if you want to. Uh, you can just go to Haga Parken, you know, 10, 15 minutes away from, uh, uh, from the center of town and just be lost in a forest. Um, whereas in New York, it's much more difficult because even Central Park being Central Park, you know, this is sure it's green, but there's just a ton of people there. All, uh, especially if the weather is nice. So it's, it's a very different feeling of kind of, um, if you want to be apart from other people, you can very easily do it here in Stockholm, uh, which is not the case, I feel like, in New York. Uh, yeah. Yes, and let's get back to your joke. Can you yeah. tell it about Stockholm? Also the same joke about the passing the green light I, light. I don't think so. I think, uh, I, I mean, well, it's all about vision zero here, right? So <laughs> that's a very bad, uh, <laughs> we do not want to talk about it that way. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I think big, so Stockholm is a big city uh, and big city people are the same. So it's not like there's no jaywalking here. Uh, but uh, I would feel much safer jaywalking here than in than in New York. Um, in fact, I'm still paranoid about jaywalking or crossing the street here in Stockholm because uh, 25 years of being in the US has always taught me that the car always has priority. So you need to stop for the car. But here, a lot of people just, when they get to the crossing, they just, they just go. Uh, yeah. So I, I still don't do that. I still sometimes get into these strange dances with the, <laughs> with the drivers and they'll stop and I'm stopping and they're like, where are you stopping? And I'm like, well, I, I don't want to get hit. Like, <laughs> Stockholm, you won't get hit. Um, so yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. And how, how about, we talked a bit about the biking culture. Sure. Um, how is it like, did you start to bike here in Stockholm and how is it back home if you talk with your friends? So, so the funny thing is uh, when I right before I moved to uh, Stockholm, the, maybe the five or six years before then, there was an increasingly uh, strong push to promote biking in New York. So they installed a lot of biking bike lanes um, and uh, really kind of got try to get people to bike uh, on a daily basis. Um, and but even then, uh, I think it's it's just not the same type of culture here where biking is acceptable to go from where I live, which is Yarfala, to work in the middle of town just on bike. Uh, I mean, it'd take you like an hour, but sure, that's fine. Or like 45 minutes, but sure, people would do that. But in New York, I think it's much more reluctant. I think people are more reluctant to do it. Um, I have a lot of friends who bike now in New York. Um, I never was a biker, uh, big biker. In fact, I didn't learn to bike until I was 
32. Uh, so only a couple of years before I moved to Stockholm. And even then, you know, I bought this brand new shiny bike and never really used it because it was kind of scary to bike in New York. Um, the streets were often very narrow uh, in certain places. Uh, and the bike lanes that they, that they paint, um, they're not, they're just lanes that they, you know, they paint. So there's yeah. really nothing stopping a car from just kind of going right into you. Um, and uh, people park in them all the time. Uh, so you can't really even stay on the bike lanes. You have to kind of sort of off and back on. So it's, it's quite a dicey proposition compared to here where, you know, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's night and day. The biking culture here is very strong. It's very supported by the, at all levels of government and policy. Uh, and, uh, people do it, um, for real. Uh, and you see little kids biking to school too, um, which is, I would say still quite uncommon in New York. Um, uh, but yeah, very, very different. Uh, yeah. I definitely like it better here uh, in terms of the biking. Yeah. And and can you also survive in Stockholm if you don't have a car? I Well, we did for, you know, a year. Uh, I think in, definitely in the min- middle of Stan, uh, uh, middle of the city, yes, you can. Um, no question. Uh, just the, the density of services and the fact that the public transportation, especially the bus network, is so good. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely fine. Uh, living out in the suburbs where we are in Yerfala, it's slightly more dicey. And it's even more difficult, I think, if you have a family um, because of various logistics of you know, doing large shopping trips and things like that. But I think definitely in Stockholm, you can. Uh, yeah, and I know there's... Yeah. There are many Stockholmers who don't, who can't drive, who don't own a car. Uh, yeah. So it's it's yeah, very much so. Yes, and uh, I was wondering about when when you when you arrived to Stockholm and after a few months, do you still feel that Stockholm is like little cute city compared to New York? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't call it cute. I would think. I really love Stockholm as a city. Um, I think it has the same type of uh, advantages that New York has, um, but it's just not in as many places. So in New York City, uh, there are very many places where if you live there and you want to get up to trouble, you know, meet your friends for a drink at one in the morning or whatever on a Tuesday night, you can do that. Um, but in Stockholm, they're not as many places. Um, so that's the one of the big differences is the, the density of, um, of services. And, uh, but I, I don't feel Stockholm is cute. I think it's a, it's a lovely city. Um, I think cute kind of diminishes it a little bit. Uh, uh, and yeah, I don't want to diminish it. It's very, uh, it's, a, it's a great city to live in. Uh, and, the, the kind of the Lagom culture is, for me, at, at my age, is much more suitable to me than being in the go, go, go culture of New York. Uh, yeah. And if you, if you, we have a lot of many listeners from the US, what do you mean by Lagom? So Lagom is, uh, I think the best uh, description would be, would be just right or middle of the road. So not too much, not too little, you know, uh, the Goldilocks, uh, principle you don't not too much porridge not too little porridge just right 
uh, that is lagong. So you don't want to do things to an excess uh, one way or the other, but just kind of keep it uh, calm and, uh, and uh, middle of the road. That's yeah, yeah. One I understand. Yes. What, what do you miss from New York that you wish to be, that these things would be in uh, Stockholm? Uh, first and foremost is, I guess, uh, food. Um, so greatest thing about New York when I was living there was that if you could have a craving for any type of cuisine, uh, you find, if not the best in the world, then one of the best in the world, or at least an example of it in New York. Um, and it's usually within like a 30 block radius and you can just call it up have them do a delivery and it'll land, end up right in front of your house, you know, in like 20 minutes. Um, here in Stockholm, it's much more of a challenge. Uh, and I was not to say there's not good food here. There is, but it's just not as available and uh, not as uh, ubiquitous. Um, so I think definitely food is the, is, the, is the big, I mean, when I first moved here, I People, you know, assume New Yorkers love like pizza and bagel. And I, I love that stuff like that. I love bagels and I love pizza. But the one thing that I absolutely missed was a pastrami sandwich. Um, and pastrami is a type of um, uh, smoked meat. And I used to have them all the time in New York. Uh, you can't really find them here in Stockholm. Um, so I, I was just craving them nonstop. <laughs> uh and it, it took i mean every time every chance i go back to new york i try to eat a pastrami sandwich or two <laughs> to, to get it to get your fill but uh um so yeah i think f uh food is one of the for me personally the thing yeah, of course, I of course. this is your this lot. is your story yeah, yeah. and uh, what are the other things Ping? uh i think the uh and this is of course has to do with my age because um, I grew up in New York. Uh, I was young there. I was in my 20s in New York, in early 30s. Um, so I really got to know kind of the, I don't say the art scene, but the, the kind of the cultural scene in general. Um, and in Stockholm, of course, you know, there's not as many people and the culture is different. Uh, the arts are different and I, I didn't grow up here. So I didn't have the same type of um, common knowledge that a young person growing up in Stockholm would have of the arts scene. Um, so yeah, that's something that I miss is, is to be able to, you know, go out and see underground theater shows and uh, find the latest uh, kind of speakeasy openings or whatever. Uh, that stuff is kind of, you need to be a, a real local in order to, to start to get to, yeah. to, to, to know those things. Uh, and I miss that because, uh, you know, I came here too late. Yeah, I understand. I understand. And if yeah. we talk from the urban planning and design point of sure. view, what are the things that could be done here, like New York? Mm. Well, I think one of the things that really struck me about Stockholm um, was uh, uh, the, how, these, how the ethnic enclaves um, were structured. Uh, in New York, of course, you can find enclaves of every culture, every country uh, around the, the whole city. Um, I lived, Elmhurst was, is now one of the main Chinatowns. There are a bunch of Chinatowns all around New York. Uh, and I lived in 
Elmhurst was one of them. Uh, and so living in, in one of the Chinatowns, you get used to being around Chinese culture and things like that. Um, but the, the enclaves in New York are, in a sense, spatially much more open and integrated with the rest of the city than the enclaves here in Stockholm, uh, which is quite interesting um, because the enclaves here are very uh, centered in the suburbs that were built during the, the Million Homes program. Um, and there was a very specific typology that revolved around some of these uh, areas uh, where they started out from a core of very dense apartment buildings with uh, some sort of public transport in the middle, um, either bus or very often the subway, and then kind of gets less and less dense uh, to you know, smaller row houses, and then finally forest. Uh, and then these areas are kind of insulated from each other. So you have little bubbles of them. Uh, along the subway line or on, along the bus line, but they're not uh, kind of woven together in a uh, with uh, um, with buildings and with uh, city life like you would have in New York. Um, so, for example, from my neighborhood Elmhurst to the neighboring uh, neighborhood of uh, Corona, which is a predominantly Hispanic uh, population, uh, or it was when I was there. Um, you know, uh, geographically, there was almost, there was no barrier. Like you just crossed from, you just walked down a bunch of streets and eventually you would end up from a place that has a lot of Chinese signs to a lot of Spanish signs. So you could very easily go from one section to the other. Um, but here it's, it's, you know, it's hard. It's, it's not the same. Um, and I think that's something that needs to be uh, considered, um, the kind of the spatial divisions uh, that uh, support, that undergrid this very diverse city. Uh, Stockholm is very diverse. Uh, um, uh, and, uh, but the, 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 the way that these diversity, this, this diversity is um, spread out and uh, kind of dispersed is not the same as in New York. So I don't think you get the same level of contact. I don't think you get the same level of familiarity um, that people would have with uh, different cultures and, and different languages and different peoples uh, that you would have in New York. Yes, very, very interesting. Do you think that Stockholm is moving toward more like putting together, let's say, areas than being separated? I think that's um, difficult to answer. I think one of the things that makes... Uh, it possible is uh, less restrictive uh, uh, organization. I think immigrants, uh, no matter where they end up, they usually end up in places that are on the margins, just simply because there's space uh, for for us here uh, at, at the margins. Um, but uh, Sweden, uh, the urban planning here is quite regulated. Um, and it's, it has, it's very, definitely has its strong sides. Um, so no doubt about that. Um, but the thing about that is that there aren't as many cracks for people to kind of find their niche in. Um, so like, for example, the Elmhurst, the neighbor I, I grew up, you know, uh, you needed to have uh, people moving into these single family houses and then subdividing them to make room for four families, five families in a place where only one family is supposed to live. Um, that's not something I think that would be uh, 
approved of here in Stockholm. Uh, I don't. I think there the, it would be very strictly controlled, um, and I know it's strictly controlled actually. But um, uh, in New York, you can get away with more things like that, even if you know the laws say one thing or the other. It's the enforcement of it is is something else. So uh, I think uh, um, the model has to change slightly in order for Stockholm to become more like New York, which is more kind of densely woven together, uh, where different communities and neighborhoods are, are woven together uh, much more closely or knitted together. Um, and But I mean, to be frank, I don't know if that is the way that, you know, it, it, it's hard to imagine that that will happen because Stockholm has a certain form, has a certain history to it, and um, uh, it, it'll develop according to this form. Um, and to change it is, is a little, uh, I, I, I think there are a lot of, there will be a lot of challenges associated with it and you might lose what Stockholm yeah. would be. The, the, char the character of the city. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Peng, it was really interesting to hear the story and I would love that maybe we need a few more episodes to dig deep in different aspects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, New York is huge city uh, I lived there for a very long time I maybe have been to like a quarter of it a third so it's it's a it's it's a world unto itself uh, yes yeah. yes how how do you define a smart city how do I define a smart city um, you have been traveling in so many different cities yeah. and living in different cities so what is a smart city for you a smart city for me is a city that gives uh, um, knowledge and uh, the ability to shape its environment uh, to its citizens. So I don't think it has anything to do with technology. I think the most an informal settlement, if it has the right human structures, if it has the right uh, political structures, can be a, a smart city than anything that Google Sidewalks Labs can come up with um, because it's all about empowering the people. Um, I mean, I think that the idea of a smart city as a technology, technologically driven city is, uh, um, yeah, I don't think it, it, it could quite work in reality because, you know, uh, to, to a certain extent, all cities are smart because it allows its their residents to make a life, uh, to earn a living, uh, and to get around to navigate. Um, and any city that helps people do that, I think, is a smart city. Uh, I, I, you know, it doesn't have to do with fiber or mass collection of data or tracking or anything like that. Um, but the key link is how does this information get to the people who can use it, who need to use it. And that's what a smart city is. A smart city is a city that does that and does it well. Yeah, yeah. very interesting. Do you think that, uh, do you experience that Stockholm is a smart city? Uh, I think in many ways it, it can be a smart city. Uh, actually it is. Um, I mean, a lot of the innovations that you would get just Taking, for example, public transportation, you know, just the uh, ability to have, know when a, a train is coming, when a bus is coming, and, build, and rely on it. That's great. Uh, having on your phone or 
it doesn't even have to be on your app, but you just you know that at a certain time you will have transport to go from where you need to, from where you are to where you need to go. That's 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 amazingly great. Um, so uh, yes, I think Stockholm is in many ways a smart city. Uh, um, but you know, it, it is. It, it's not just because of its technology. Um, but I think it is smart city because uh, the the structure of it, the governing structure of it, is is quite uh, responsive, uh, from what I've learned and from what I've observed, uh, compared to a lot of different places in the world. So it takes its citizens' uh, concerns seriously and it reflects it, and the citizens can get information from. Yeah. Uh, the government and from uh, various different sources and they can easily use it and put it to use yes yes well Peng, super interesting and i would love that we keep talking about this 24 <laughs> 7. so uh, now we are almost in the end of this episode let's say sure so what is the next step for you um i mean now uh professionally it's a bit challenging and um, because of the corona and COVID. Um, I think uh, for me personally, uh, I want to continue uh, develop to continue to develop my uh, data analytics skills. Um, so that's a, kind of a big, uh, you know, quarantine challenge for me is uh, to use this time to uh, to uh, to develop those skills. Um, and uh, I also just am looking forward to being able to travel again. Uh, not travel like getting on a plane, but just even to go around the city. Uh, that's one of my favorite things to do is to go around to a place in Stockholm or uh, New York or wherever that I've never been to before and just sit down and observe that place and have a coffee. <laughs> you know, those things are a little bit um, not recommended uh, yeah. as of now. So I'm very forward, looking forward to that ending so I can do that once again and yes. kind of resume one of my favorite hobbies. <laughs> that's amazing how would you like to summarize what we talked about this episode and some of your, your reflection and three takeaway messages uh i think takeaway one is um uh the uniqueness of uh each city uh stockholm and new york and, and all the other cities in the world um i think you can compare them but i i don't think you can rank them uh i think uh to to do that you have to have a a set of uh criteria that doesn't change over time that is kind of completely frozen but people aren't that way so for me i loved living in new york when i was in my 20s and growing up in new york um but i really love stockholm now um because it has so many things that new york doesn't have um so there is no full criteria that will rank these two cities for me. Um, number two is uh, uh, kind of, uh, is to kind of be open to new experiences. Um, I think uh, being in Stockholm has really taught me a new way of looking at what a city is. Uh, I think if you live in one place for too long, it kind of really jams up your perception and you kind of get, your views kind of get fossilized. So, things must be this way. But having lived in these two places, I think I, I can do a good comparison of 
of uh, not just pros and cons, but just the differences uh, uh, and, uh, and see them in, in, a, in a new light. And the last takeaway would be, um, yeah, I, I would really love to have more restaurants that serve uh, pastrami sandwiches. <laughs> I think that would be a great development uh, yeah. if, you could, if you could have that in Stockholm. Then, that, you that would will, make that. then you will never go back to New York. Well, I mean, but there would be one less reason to go back to New York. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you so much, Pink. Thank you, Mustafa. I really now, appreciate Now it's time for the three hashtags. Oh, hashtags. <laughs> Do they have to be real hashtags? No, you just, no, just. Okay. Make... Hashtag one, I mean, uh, related to smart cities. Uh, hashtag smart people. Cool. Uh, and then second hashtag. Oh, it's got to be uh, more pastrami, right? More pastrami. That's <laughs> second hashtag. More, more pastrami all the time. Um, and third hashtag is uh, uh, oh, third hashtag is um, I don't know. I, I have to give a shout out uh, to New York. I mean, New York is really suffering right now because of coronavirus. I mean, it's been super hard hit. Uh, it's the it's the hardest part, hardest hit part in the entire United States. So uh, I think, you know, uh, I love New York. Hashtag I love New York. It kind of says it all because uh, it really, you know, it it really hurts to see the city like it is, um, where the streets are completely empty and the people are locked in. And I just hope that uh, things get uh, much better soon, and that people are safely coming out and and uh, yeah. uh, enjoy the city life uh, as it was. And it will never be the way, same it was. I think. Coronavirus changed a lot of stuff, but uh, of uh, people can try to get to um, a similar place. Yeah, it's 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 a super tough time for all yeah. the cities and especially for New York. Last I think last week I had an um, interview with a doctor in New York hospital, and, and mm. she started to talk, and we just started to cry during the recording of the episode because it's it's not easy. But hopefully things are gonna get better. No, I I have family uh, working. Um, as doctors uh, at Mount Sinai, and uh, and actually um, my cousin, who's a doctor, she her boyfriend uh, works in Elmhurst Hospital, which is right where I grew up, uh, and it is it was the epicenter. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it is it is kind of it really is uh, uh, horrific uh, thinking about the number of deaths uh, that have uh, that have occurred and just the illness um so yeah hashtag i love new york i hope things get better uh, yes. and you know my love to everyone who's in new york right now yeah i think things will get better and again peng thank you so much for giving your time and for sharing your stories with us you're welcome mustafa it's my pleasure thank you so much for inviting me on my pleasure and hopefully see you again in stockholm all right see you soon thank you so much for listening to urbanistica podcast don't forget to follow on Instagram and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you have a great story that makes our city smarter, please contact me. I am Mustafa Sharif. Have a good life.